Again, on behalf of our church family, we extend our condolences to the entire Dantley family and to all of the friends and uh, family members who are present. What a, what a testimony, just, just to, that's, that's, you know, our presence is a testimony to a life that has, uh, has been lived and obviously has made a tremendous impact on a number of people. So before I um, just kind of consider the idea of death and the distinction of Christian death, let me just say about Sister Dantley. You know, in the old school, we used to have, uh, in funeral services, they always had eulogy. And the word eulogy simply means a good word. But then sometimes, and really, the ultimate eulogy is the gospel. But what we usually mean is a good word about the person. So before we just kind of look at death from the vantage point of the Christian faith, I want to say about Sister Dantley, she was, she was an interesting, interesting person. And you were never left in doubt if she had an issue with something. Amen. She was, she, she, con she conveyed her feelings very well. It was interesting that she always kept track of, of the different suits I would wear, and she would let me know if the colors <laughs> tended to go in the same direction, <laughs> or if I came in with a different color suit. Oh, what happened to the other one? <laughs> Sister Dantley was Sister Dantley, or is Sister Dantley, and I greatly appreciate it. In the five years that she's been here, uh, since I've been here, um, and this will be the first, uh, our appreciation service. She always made the box for envelopes and cards to go in. And I was sharing with the brothers in the back, I'm pretty sure she had to get a city permit <laughs> and submit the blueprints uh, and the plans before she could construct the thing. And uh, they were all, and she, she were, they, they were well-crafted according to whatever theme, and there was never any doubt where that box came from because she made sure of that. She was a unique individual, and I will say this about Sister Dantley. Uh, when she, we, we have a process of membership that, those who uh, seek membership in the church, we sit down and we talk. We, we don't give you an, a, a live microphone in front of people for you to say and not be sure of what you believe. We set up an interview where we sit down and we talk. And so when she requested membership to, to return here at, at Glendale, we sat down and we talked. And she had material. It was like a law case. She, she brought in all sorts of stuff. She brought a resume with her of everything that she'd done and programs that she had been involved in. And so we just kind of walked through the basics of the faith. And it was very clear that she believed what she believed. And that's important. So I, I greatly appreciate, number one, uh, the fact that she believed what she believed. And number two, that she was clear. You didn't have to guess. If she had a question, she asked it. 
If she had a point of disagreement, she raised it. And when she was told, no, that's not right, then she would just accept it. She was submissive to the lordship of Christ, and therefore she was submissive to those that had oversight of her soul. And for that, I am greatly appreciative for the time of serving. And, and that's what ministers do. We serve. We serve God by serving his people. So I consider it a privilege to have been able to serve Sister Doris Dantley. Now, on a broader perspective, uh, Sister Dantley, and unfortunately we have fallen into some bad habits uh, as, as Christians sometimes, but we've fallen into some bad habits when people die. We, we have wrong ideas. Number one, it doesn't matter what a person believed or did, when they die, all of a sudden they're angels. And that's probably not healthy. And on the other hand, oftentimes with Christian funerals, we, we, we talk about what we know. In fact, I've even seen it stated where God needed a rose in his garden and so he plucked so-and-so. And can I just go on record as saying God needs nothing? Amen. So he, we're not doing him any favors. He's, he didn't take Sister Dantley because he missed her. And so there's, there's none of that. We don't become angels when we die. And Sister Dantley, uh, she spoke her piece, but she's not looking down. She's not, she's not you know, well, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. So we've gotten into some bad habits when it comes to funerals. We've made them about sending up. I know she's okay because she, all of her work and all of this. No, so I, I just want to make two things clear. And that's, and I'm not, I usually, I just expound a particular text. I want to make two things clear. Number one, the, the point that we want to make is that everyone dies, but all deaths are not the same. Everyone dies. But every death is not the same. And I would argue that there is a distinct and radical difference for those who die in the Lord and those who don't. There's a distinct, and, and there are a plethora of scriptures that we can turn to, but I'll make this, I'll make this, this, this point based on three statements from scripture that all deaths are not the same. And those who die in the Lord, there are those who die in the Lord and those who don't. So I want to extract three statements from Scripture that make it clear that those who, for those who die in the Lord, their death is different. Amen. Psalms 116, verse 15. The psalmist says, Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. If, if we only had that, that statement, that tells you that the saints, those who are set apart, for them, God views their death as being precious. That's, but that's not the only place. The Apostle Paul, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, speaking for all believers, says that for us to die yes. 
is gain. Psalm says that precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of one of his saints. And then Paul says, therefore, for me to die is gain. That can't be true of everyone. And so let me just give you one other statement that, that, that indicates that all death is not the same. We read in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus himself is speaking in the 16th chapter in the 23rd verse of Luke, we are told Jesus is telling the story about two people and both of them die and he has this statement, one who died in hell, he lifted up his eyes. So all death is not the same. The death of those who are in the Lord is precious to him. And those who, for those who are in the Lord and for whom their death is precious, for them to die is gain. And for those who do not die in the Lord, their experience is whatever is intended by the term and category of hell. Now let me just say this, I do think that that hell is something that we cannot explain until we experience it. It's, it's more, the Bible uses imagery. It uses imagery of fire and lakes, but I don't think that's what is meant. The only person that has experienced hell is Jesus himself. And his death on the cross, he bears everything that will be experienced by those who do not die in the Lord. That's what he experienced on Calvary's cross. Now, having said that, now I want to do one other thing. And that is because Sister Dantley died and she died in the Lord because of her faith. And not because of her works. She did a lot of stuff. But the certainty of her eternity is not because of what she did. It's because of what she believed. So here's what I want to do. I just want to look at five phases of the, Christ, of the, of the, the journey of faith. Because faith is about believing and, and, it, and it's about trusting in a message about a person who's done a work on our behalf. But there are five phases of the, the faith journey. And, and so we'll begin with our starting place. Because Sister Dantley, like all of us, we, we have to start somewhere. So where does our faith journey start? It's, our starting place is as described in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 as being dead. We got to start there. We start dead in trespasses and sins. Here's the way it's expressed in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. So faith's journey begins with debt, folk. It's important for us to understand that. We we, nothing hits us right us. We start. Here's the beginning. And, and, and one of the reasons that's important to understand is, you know, there's a lot of, there's a big genre of, of movies, zombie films, where people are, are, are walking dead and they don't know that they're dead. 
So, so there, I, I want to make this distinction because the faith journey begins in a state of spiritual death that you didn't know that you were dead. We're all zombies. That's where it begins. In fact, in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, Paul says, You were dead in trespasses and sins, just like those who are presently under condemnation, in whom the, the sons are, who are doing the will of Satan and are under the curse and condemnation of God. So that's where the faith journey begins. It begins with us being like everyone else, under the condemnation of God, under the curse of sin, and spiritually dead. Then something happens. The second step of the faith journey is Jesus' words in John 3, when Nicodemus says, what, how can one inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, unless one is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again. So here's the second stage of the journey. The second stage of the faith journey is those who were dead are now quickened. The old King James translation of Ephesians 2.1 says, And you he has quickened who was dead in trespasses and sins. Now can I add this? I can't teach you how to be born again. See, no one participates in their new birth. No more than you participated in your first one. John says in John chapter 1 that as many as, be, as, as received him, he gave the power to be the sons of God, not according to the flesh, not according to the will of man, but according, according to the spirit. So those who are dead have been quickened. We have been given the principle of life. Peter gives us an analogy or a breakdown of how that takes place. He says we were born not of corruptible seed but incorruptible seed and the term that he uses there is for the, 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 the male sperm and basically he says you've been born of a divine sperm so to speak and he says through the spirit in other words the spirit through the word germinates the dead heart and brings life where there was no life The spirit that hovered over the waters and God brought out order from disorder. The spirit that hovered over the womb of Mary before she conceived of the Holy One. The spirit through the word brings life when you were dead. So here's our faith journey. We start off dead. And then God, through the ministry of the word and the spirit, not through antics, not through gestures, not through promises, but God awakens us to our condition and then awakens us to his gift of the gospel through the spirit. We start off dead and then get reborn. And here's the third phase of our faith journey. God is an interesting God. All of us start off in a graveyard. And then he gives us life. And you know where he takes us? He takes us to Calvary. Because now we have a partnership. Now that we have been born again, 
we now have a partnership and a participation in the death of Jesus. In other words, God gives us life in order to kill us in Christ. Here's what Paul says in Romans 6. Romans 6, 3, do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Here's what we do when we become born again. No, we don't dance a new dance. We die a new death. That's why, brothers and sisters, we don't serve God because we're hoping that we'll get in. We're not trying to do good so that we can escape the day of judgment. Judgment day has already come for those who have been awakened by the Spirit and united to Christ. When Jesus died on our behalf, we died in him. Here's our faith journey. We start off dead. And we are awakened by the Spirit through the ministry of the gospel. And then when God wakes us up to who we are and what we need, then he takes us to Calvary. We share and participate in the crucifixion of Jesus. In other words, brothers and sisters, when we say that Jesus died for our sins, it is as if we understand that we died with him. One of the ways older theologians used to talk about original sin and the effect of Adam's sin and and the whole idea of federal headship, they said when Adam sinned, it was as if we were with him. It was as if we were in him. So that when he sinned, we sinned. Therefore, we have a new federal head. And when the Father brings down the wrath of judgment on him, he brings down the wrath of judgment on all who are tied to him by faith. Brothers and sisters, here's the wonders of the cross. When we come to saving faith in Jesus, what that means is we believe that Jesus lived for the righteousness that we could not provide and that God has required. And we believe that when God cursed him on Calvary's cross, he cursed us. We believe that the the debt that we owed was paid in the life of Christ and when Jesus died for us, we died with him. There's a partnership In the death of Jesus, God gives us life so that he could bring down his wrath on his son and therefore bring down his wrath on us. Here's the fourth phase of our faith journey. Those who participate in the death of Christ by faith are also now hidden in him. Colossians 3 3 says, For you have died, and your life is hidden in him. Now, one of the problems that we have in our fallen condition is we love to shine. We love to shine. And all, all of the various social media platforms allow us to shine. 
So our vacations are better, our food looks better. We shine, we like to shine. But here is the reality of faith. You might shine among men. But before God, you are hidden. You see, here's the reality, brothers and sisters, that in and of ourselves, we naturally, because of our fallen condition, we are reprehensible to the God who created us. We're not cute. We're not good. And so what God does is he takes us and he hides us in Christ. He's, you're, you're hidden somewhere. That's, that's humbling, isn't it? Especially for those of us who, are, who think that we are this and that and the other and we got our own... Pr- no, here's what God has done. He has taken his son and then he hides you in him. You're hidden in him. And that's good news for that. That's the reason we can go boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace in and, and, and our time of need because we're hidden. That's why you don't have to be ashamed to go before God and ask him for what you need. You don't have to say, well, I messed up. He knows what you are. That's why he hid you. We are hidden in him. He doesn't bring us out when company comes. He brings his son out and we are hidden in him. We're hidden. His righteousness, his goodness, his mercy, his wounds. We are hidden in him. Brothers and sisters, right now, Sister Danley's body is with us. And it says, Paul says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, still hidden in him. We're hidden. And then here's the fifth and final phase. The final phase of our faith journey is that those who are hidden in him will be presented by him. And look at grace. Here's what we were, dead in trespasses and sins. Here's what Paul says, even in the midst of his Christian walk, when I would do good, evil is always present. He came to save sinners of whom I am presently chief. But here's what Jude says. Unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Here's the good news of the gospel. We who have been hidden in Christ in the final day will be able to be taken out of Christ. We'll be able to stand before him. Here's the way Jude says, he he is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless. He will present you faultless in the very presence of his glory with great joy. Our final reveal, our final phase 
is that Jesus will present us to the Father spotless, without blemish, perfect, because he has prepared for us a body that suits what he has done for us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, every death is not the same. Those who die in the Lord, those who die in him, are those who were awakened in their spiritual deadness and given the new life through the Spirit, participated in the death of the Son, was hidden in him. And when we see her again, we will be presented by him. Brothers and sisters, there's no handicap parking in heaven. There are no walkers, pacemakers, glasses, Because those who die in the Lord lay down mortal and corruptible bodies. But those who are hidden in him will come out without spot and without blemish before his, the presence of his glory. Brothers and sisters, the way Jude expresses it, it is with great joy. My question has always been this. Who's the joy? Where does the joy come from? Who's, who's going to be joyful when sinful saints are presented as spotless? I think it's threefold. I think we will express great joy. <laughs> because we're unencumbered by sin. I think the father has great joy. Because he's proud of his son. And I think the son has great joy. Because he's proud of his bride. So I think that all of us. That's what the great joy is. The triune God rejoices over the redeemed that the Son died for. And those who are redeemed are rejoicing in what the Father has given us in the Son and what the Spirit has made alive to us. We don't all die the same. But those who die in the Lord, we will finally be presented as spotless. Thank God for grace. Amen. Let's pray.